This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this Thursday edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. Quick disclaimer, as always, for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Wyndham, Maine, you can harass me on Twitter at Cushman MLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. And joining us tonight for the first time from the city of Canton, Massachusetts, no longer Westwood, Jason Kelly. Who are you? I'm good. Um moving day so i'm exhausted my feet hurt uh i've got a couple of scrapes and bruises but <laughs> got everything set up got the red socks on the big screen so i'm doing just fine you must have rented a u-haul no no i just hired a moving company just to oh you took take the it all easy way out oh I did. man yeah. you didn't tell I us took... that oh yeah that's no, I, like I that's astros 2017 level moving yeah well Worked out for them. It worked out for me, too. (laughs) Oh, man, I didn't know that. I did everything myself. Well, my girlfriend helped me, but all right. Uh, Also joining us tonight from the city of Mile High City of Denver, Colorado, by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. What's going on, guys? Not a whole heck of a lot. So... The audience might be wondering, whoa, this isn't the normal schedule. Uh, We're going to do the deep dives uh, a day early. Reason being, uh, if we waited to start recording at roughly 1230 Eastern on Thursday night because of the West Coast swing, we would be up super late. So we decided to split it up this week and uh, we'll, uh, we'll kind of flip the shows and then back to normal next week. So... We're going to discuss managerial firings, and that could maybe lead into some other, uh, you know, guys on the hot seat, whatnot, across the league. But Joe Girardi was fired by the Phillies last Friday, and uh, we kind of touched on that a little bit on the uh, Monday show. Today... Kind of surprisingly, Joe Madden gets the axe from 
the Anaheim Angels after Michael Waka's brilliant uh, pitching performance. We'll get more into that on um, on the Friday morning show. But I'm pretty stunned. I mean, this is if you're going to put a top five list out in the last 20 years, I mean, Joe Madden has to be in it, doesn't he? Or no worse, you know, maybe seventh or eighth. But I was stunned. Uh, Andrew, go ahead. Yeah, it's a bad time to be a Joe. Um, (laughs) True. You know, I don't think this is... I don't know if the Joe Madden firing was completely his deserved, let's say. You know, they've put together a mishmash of pieces. Yeah, they have Otani. Yeah, they have Trout. They don't really have the pitching. Syndergaard is what he is. He actually had a decent outing last night, but he's been up and down. They go out, they sign Anthony Rendon, who's hurt yet again. Um, Taylor Ward is hurt right now. It just seems like there's just a negativity surrounding that clubhouse. I don't, that being said, I, I don't think he's to blame. The Girardi one completely get. I think he lost the clubhouse. You have all veterans in there. Um, and his brash kind of coming at you style doesn't always fit that kind of group, uh, which they should have known. It's not like they signed a bunch of unknown players. But yeah, the Joe Madden one, I someone's going to pick him up. He's not going to leave, you know, he's going to sign on probably not this year, but he'll be the first manager hired uh, in the off season. And that is a guarantee. Jason. Yeah, I agree. The, the Madden firing surprised me too. Um, only five seasons and, you know, he only lasted five years with the Cubs as well, but that was different. He had won a world series there. They were clearly going to turn over the roster. So it was kind of like a, okay, we all need to move in a different direction kind of firing or not really a firing. You just left. This was more like we, they go on one losing streak and they fire the manager. I mean, that that's what we're doing. And look, I'm not the biggest Joe Madden fan. I think that he's a really good manager, but I think that a lot of what people give him credit for is just overrated, small stuff in baseball that, you know, is, is it quirky? Has it worked for him? Yes, but I don't think the guy is like this baseball genius, baseball savant. Like, I, you know, I don't think that he's completely reinventing the wheel. I think he's just finding different things in the game that work for him. Um, but that said, like, Andrew's right. I don't think this firing was completely deserved. I think that the Angels just made a panic move because um, I think that they're they're feeling the heat. because, And they're feeling the heat in a weird way because they know that they're not the show out there. The Dodgers are the show in town and they're getting antsy because Trout's not getting any younger and they were lucky to land Shohei Otani. But I think as soon as he can get out of LA, he might leave too. you know, Andrew brought it up a couple of, you know, weird signings, Anthony Rendon, Noah Syndergaard over the years, like picking up injury prone guys from the NL East to supplement your roster. Um, They called up guys like Joe Adele way too early and ruined his development um, it's just kind of, I, I don't see how it's Joe Madden's fault that they've mismanaged the roster a little bit, which is surprising because again, you've had the best player in baseball sitting in the middle of your lineup 
for how many years now, and you haven't figured out how to put a good team around him. It, this to me, it, it felt like a weird firing and um, Joe Madden will obviously land on his feet. I don't, I'm curious to see where he's going to go after this, but this seems like a mistake from the angels and it, it feels panicky and it feels like a mistake. I had just put out a tweet five hours before he got fired, four or five hours before he got fired, asking our Twitter followers if the streak reaches 20, could he be fired? And I even kind of gave it a buffer. I said 20 or 25, could he get fired? I didn't think it was going to be after 12, and I certainly didn't think he'd be fired four hours later. (laughs) So... You know, this is one of the the best managers of the last of the last twenty years. I mean, he was the manager that helped end the hundred and eight year drought in Chicago. He got the Tampa Bay Rays to the World Series in two thousand eight. And I was I was pretty stunned and there's not there's no indication right now that he was getting into it with players there. There's no indication there was a big quarrel with Mike Trout or anyone like that. And I just wonder if the Phillies firing Girardi a couple weeks ago, well, last Friday, rather, if that helped seal Madden's fate, if perhaps the Angels front office said, wow, look at that, you know, they just got, they just got rid of Girardi. And you, you even, even with a guy like Girardi, who's won a World Series and been a very successful manager, uh, you know, over the course of his, uh, you know, managerial career, I mean, a May, uh, May or June firing is sounds early even to fire a guy like Girardi, I feel like. But here's the one thing that stands out to me. Manasian, Perry Manasian, the GM for the Angels, didn't hire Madden. That was that was a Billy Epler hiring who was fired uh in late twenty twenty. So Manasian kind of inherits Madden. And then last winter, Manasian made a series of hirings. And one of those guys was Phil Nevin, who was previously the Yankees third baseman for several years. So part of me thinks that this is simply Manasian putting his guy that he brought in last winter into that um, into that seat. I can't find it on t- Twitter. I, I didn't have a ton of time to look for it. I did see it on MLB Network because they displayed it on the screen. But there was a quote from Madden basically saying that front offices have too much power. And so that seems to indicate maybe there there might have been a power struggle between Madden and the front office. And perhaps Nevin, who again was recently brought in by Manasian, might be more willing to, you know, go with the analytics that that the front office is trying to push. So thoughts? Well, 
Yeah, maybe Perry doesn't believe in that rah rah crap that, like, you know, Joe Bad's like, well, we're going to dress like cowboys on the plane this time. <laughs> it's like, no, dude, these are like 24 year old millionaires. They don't give a sh- they don't care about this. All right. So I'm wondering if this signals more of a change in managers around the league. Are we done with the boomer type manager? I mean, we see. Girardi isn't super old, but he's got that really old mentality. Madden, definitely an older guy, gone. La Russa, I don't think anyone really respects him in that clubhouse. And then earlier today, I don't know if you guys saw Don Mattingly. He gave no, you know, signs of hope. He They held a 90-minute team meeting where he said, you know, everyone came out like miserable and wouldn't be surprised if they came out flat tonight was his direct quote that we wouldn't be, you know, they didn't, they actually scored like 12 runs, but maybe that type of manager is on their way out. Your younger guy, like, you know, a Gabe Kapler and Alex Cora, maybe that's just the future of baseball because other than Buck Showalter, the old manager isn't really clicking with players right now. Yeah, I think there's two things at play here. Um, I think first, anyone who assumes a position of power where they get to delegate who works underneath them is going to want their own people. Um, you see it all over the place. I mean, it's it's kind of a rough analogy, but this is what happened to Don Orsillo. Nesson had new management come in. Don wasn't their guy. There goes Don, and here comes Dave O'Brien. Unpopular choice, but the people in power who had just taken those positions, that's what they wanted. Same thing is happening here with the Angels. I think that, you know, this guy, he wants he wants his own manager. He wants Phil Nevin in there, obviously. So I think that's part of it. I think the second thing is that I think Joe Madden's act wears thin on people pretty quick. Um, I think he lasted nine years in Tampa because Tampa had no other choice. He was a great manager and you know, they were a struggling baseball market and he was able to turn, you know, chicken crap into chicken salad over there for nine years. So he hung on there for a while. But Chicago, you know, again, they went through a rebuild, but I'm sure his act grew tired there, too. I think that his bucking against analytics and like Andrew said, the the gimmicky sort of, you know, dressing up for a road trip and, you know, um, and just kind of the air about him. He, he thinks he's smarter than everyone in the room. So. You can see how he would easily butt heads with someone who wants to approach the game differently and wants, you know, the roster that he has to be folded in, in a different way and used in a different way. You could see how someone like that would butt heads with Joe Madden, who, again, just he thinks he is, you know, he, he thinks he's like the guy who created baseball in the modern century. So I think his act does wear thin. I just think that the Angels wanted their own guy in, in place and Maybe you're right. Maybe Girardi getting fired emboldened them because maybe they look at it and they say, hey, no sacred cows in this sport. So if Joe Girardi can get fired and, you know, Philadelphia will survive that. Then this is our opportunity. We can we can get Joe out of here, you know, get our own guy in here and maybe turn this thing around before it's too late. And how energized the Phillies suddenly got once Girardi was gone. I think that could have been an influence. With Andrew's point, though, we just had a World Series with a guy in his 70s managing and a guy in his late 60s. So 
couple of old guys, the top free agent, uh, you know, manager last offseason, Buck Showalter, I think in his early to mid 60s, um, you know, took the Mets job. That's paying dividends right now. And I really think the Mets are are going to probably win the division, but if not, no worse than, you know, cruise into the wild card round. Um, so I, I don't know where they're going to go. Interestingly, here's a, here's an interesting nugget. I forget where I saw this. Buck Showalter was the runner up to Joe Madden in the angels job. He was also the runner up to Joe Girardi. <laughs> It, uh, with the the Phillies, so it's just crazy what a turn of events and and G- Girardi never had success in in Philadelphia, and arguably Madden didn't either. Um, one other thing I want to point out before I uh, I get to Alex Cora's comments, part of me kind of thinks Madden's kind of relieved here, like. He's worked for Theo Epstein, who put all kinds of talent around him. Probably didn't give him the pitching he wanted, but still uh, a smart baseball guy that was working to build him a winner. And then, you know, he had some success in Tampa, you know, because they drafted so well and had so much homegrown talent. The Angels office is none of the above. The Angels office, front office, does everything wrong you know they trade everyone they overpay for guys and they haven't had pitching since they won the 2002 world series basically so uh part of me just wonders if he's relieved to get out of there yeah i mean he's gonna have his pick of the litter i mean he's gonna have to wait you know obviously he's going to wait till the end of the season and um you know see who who falls out of the playoffs and who uh, who doesn't and wait until the dust clouds settle and see what openings there are. But if there's, you know, if there's a big sort of black Monday in, in MLB where six or seven jobs open up, I mean, Joe Madden's going to be first in line. So, and maybe one of those teams is, you know, like the Marlins who have a ton of young talent and just haven't quite been able to put it all together. But you know that Joe Madden would love to go to a team with young talent. What about a team like, Baltimore, who is, you know, maybe a year or two away from really starting to get back into contention. And I don't think their manager is any great shakes. Maybe he gets the ax and Baltimore goes and gets a big fish in Madden to really accelerate uh, their timeline. So, yeah, he he probably is a little bit relieved, Um, you know, but again, it will depend on how many jobs open up, because if there's only less than a handful, then he might be sitting there going, oh, geez, okay, none of these options are really great. I happen to think there's going to be more than that because there usually is, but we'll see. Now, this is more of an NFL move that we've seen lately, but I wonder maybe a a network comes calling uh, like an ESPN or, you know, there's whatever 2000 different streaming services MLB is going to make us buy within the next two years to watch a random game on a Tuesday. Like if he'll be the voice of that, like, you know, if, if the money is you know, somewhat equal, does that, the, you know, the lack of stress of an everyday job, is that more, you know, appealing to him? I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll definitely see, but yeah, he'll be linked to everything coming up. 
He did do a Q&A with Ken Rosenthal um, shortly after getting the axe, and he said in no uncertain terms he does want to manage again. So whether he may wait for an opportunity that he likes, which could take a couple of years, but Jason's on to something though. I don't know that he's going to take the Marlins because that front office isn't committed to spending money. So he he would have to work really hard with, with what they have, with the talent they have. Baltimore's extremely interesting because they will spend a little bit of money. They're not going to be, they're never going to be a top five or six market, but we did see them make a play for Correa this year. They gave Chris Davis that big contract. It was stupid, but it's at least an example of them willing to spend. Um, that's interesting. I don't know how they feel about Brandon Hyde. Um, we saw guys like Scott Service and, and Ned Yost get to, you know, they were on the bottom and as the teams ascended, those guys stayed in place. I do wonder though, if service will, will get the ax because they have underperformed this year. Uh, I think Andrew, you had them going as far as the, the ALCS, I think against Toronto. They've and, been brutal. And yeah, I, and I, I'm almost positive. I had them at least as a wildcard team. Um, so that's, that's a possible destination. Um, what about the just, Yankees if they flame out in the first round and get swept, even though Boone got an extra year added <laughs> to his contract? Yeah, the Yankees could uh, certainly be in play if Tony Larusa gets the axe, which is very possible. The White Sox uh, may be in play as well. I'm just kind of going down. I don't know if what about Houston? Would they get rid of Baker? Maybe I, I think that's a possibility. Um, actually, you know what, that could be a possibility because James click, their GM comes from Tampa. So don't rule out the Astros in there. Um, I don't know if they'll Philadelphia will want him after the season's over. Maybe they'll look at it as another Girardi situation. Uh, just bear with me. I'm almost done. I'm going through the national league right now. Uh, I don't think there's any desire. I think everybody's safe in the West. I think Roberts is safe. Melvin's safe. Kapler's safe. The Central's a wasteland. Craig Council isn't going anywhere. Uh, I guess we couldn't rule out St. Louis, but there's going to be a lot of teams, and people will fire their current manager who shouldn't be on the hot seat to get a guy like Madden. Like, there'll be another undeserved firing. So, um, you know, just uh, we'll we'll see. But I, I think there's going to be plenty of opportunities this season. So here's uh, Alex Cora's comments. And I thought they were interesting. Maybe you guys won't find them as interesting as me. But uh, Alex Cora was asked uh, by the beat writers today. And uh, Cora's response was, quote, Joe Madden will be fine. It's a tough one because that's going to happen to all of us at some point, either they don't renew your contract or they kick you to the curb. And just a moment later, he goes, it sucks, right? That's kind of telling because Cora is being very self-aware there. Like he knows he's probably going to get the ax. Uh, he kind of technically has once, but I don't, I still think there might've been a wink, wink, nod, nod, you know, with, you know, we'll, we're going to bring you back after the year suspension, but 
one of the things I wonder from that was when we were at our lowest point this year, which was probably in, I don't know, mid-May when the White Sox swept us. I think we were 11 and 19 after that series. I'm wondering if Cora felt a little vulnerable, perhaps, and you're seeing we're seeing guys get the axe left and right. So do you guys read into that at all? I I might read into it a little bit only because there's always been that question ever since Kyan Bloom got here of how much do him and Alex Cora really mesh? You know, is, is Alex Cora a big analytics guy like Bloom is? Now, some people will tell you, yes, he is, but then they'll always throw in the caveat. But he also believes in managing the game as it comes to him and letting the, you know, having a feel for the game, letting himself kind of be immersed in it. And that's kind of against Kyan Bloom's philosophy. Again, Kyan Bloom's big into just everything's a calculation, analytics are everything. And you know, all of that. So if the Red Sox are struggling and, you know, Alex Cora is making instinct calls and, and gut calls and they're not working out, then yeah, I, I could see him feeling a little bit vulnerable and maybe, you know, he's hearing whispers from the front office saying, Hey, you know, if you had just stuck to what we told you, this wouldn't, this wouldn't be a problem. Um, and at the same time, I'm sure Cora tells them, well, if you stuck me with a better roster, this wouldn't have happened. So and and I'm not saying that there is any tension between between the two. I, I don't think there is at all, quite frankly. But if the Red Sox go on another skid, then yeah, I, I think Cora could definitely feel the heat a little bit. Because again, he's not Bloom's guy. You know, he, he's he's there because I think ownership wants him. But I don't I'm not sure he's Bloom's guy. I think if, if it were up to Kai and Bloom, he would have a much different manager in place. So there is always that sort of cloud hanging over. It's like Okay, Cora is the manager of the fans, and I think ownership likes him too. But I don't think he's Bloom's guy. And if the Red Sox miss the playoffs this year, especially if they miss it badly and, and they go on a skid, um, you know, he, he could very well be vulnerable. I don't think he is. I also don't think – I mean, he mentioned it earlier this year. He, d- he doesn't want to do this for a long time. He's like, I don't want to be one of those – you know, tenured managers that's, you know, just been around since, you know, the Bobby Coxes of the world. He, he has two young daughters. He's not, he doesn't want to miss them growing up too much. I think he's got probably the rest of this Red Sox, um, whatever his contract is, I think two, two, three years. I think he's done after that, just on his own terms. Uh, I think he'll probably move, I could see him doing something similar to like what Brad Stevens did and just going to the front office. He's home at 5 PM. He can do whatever he wants. He doesn't have to travel uh, 81 times a year. I I think Alex Cora is here for just the remainder of this contract. And then he's moving up and it might not be with the Red Sox, but yeah, I, I think he'll take a job in a front office eventually. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he'll I don't see a scenario in which he would be fired this year. I but I just I, I was just wondering if perhaps maybe he felt a little vulnerable after that terrible start and I I think it is unsettling to him to see a guy like Madden get fired. I, I don't think he 
he sees any comfort in that at all. And Madden took that job because he had coached there. He was, I, I don't remember what his role was on the Angels 2002 World Series team, but he was a coach and was involved in it and had relationships there. So it just seemed like a very safe gig for Madden, not one we, I certainly saw him getting fired from, but, um, but yeah, so I just thought those comments from, from Cora were, were a little interesting and I guess I'll point this out. I, I don't, like I said, I don't want to get too into this series, but if you're an Alex Cora guy, it, it would probably be encouraging to a lot of those people that the Red Sox have had three pitchers in the last two or three weeks throw a complete game because nine inning starting pitching outings, that's like, the most anti Bloom thing ever, <laughs> you know, the, usually there's a plan and, and this reliever is coming in after the third time through the order or perhaps in a certain inning. And so seeing these complete games kind of would, you know, point to the idea that Alex Cora has a ton of control here on what's happening, you know, in the games and where in our last 26 games, we're 18 and eight. So playing pretty well. I'm still mad about game one of the uh, Baltimore series blowing that six run lead we had, but, um, but yeah, so any uh, final thoughts? No, I was just going to add on. It's also encouraging to see that he's letting pitchers throw complete game shut, you know, shutouts. And one of them is Kyan Bloom's shiniest new toy and Michael Walker. You know, it's it's one thing if it's Evaldi and, you know, he's been here for a while. He's a veteran, but Nick Pavetta, too, actually. I mean, Pavetta was was a Bloom transaction, but particularly Michael Walker, who, you know, we all talk about all the time. We didn't really want him when the signing first happened. He had a terrible year last year. Bloom gives him a raise and we're all like, what is Kyan Bloom doing? And now the guy's turned into like the second best pitcher on the staff. So for Alex Cora to let him go out there and keep him out there for nine innings for a complete game shutout. I think you're right. I think it says that uh, either Bloom trusts him to do it, or he's just telling him, don't worry, I, I got this time. Don't worry. I, I know I, what I'm doing. Rich Hill, too. I mean, it wasn't a complete game, but he, he threw into the seventh, which yeah. is pretty damn good for a 42-year-old. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, you'll take six full from him. I think he did pitch into the seventh once, but he always has a short leash when it happens. And uh, I think both times when the when the first guy got on, they they took him out. But but yeah, so seeing starters go deep, uh, you know, I hope for the Red Sox sake. I mean, I know I'm a, I'm a big critic of Alex Cora at times, but I mean, I, I certainly don't want to see him get tossed, you know, anytime soon. And um, he is a top three or four manager in the game. So. Well, all right, we'll be back tomorrow for the regular show to uh, discuss what else happened in this Angel series. So uh, hopefully um, it ends on a good note. And uh, as of this recording, we're one game above 500. So that's a that's a winning record. So everyone have a uh, a good Thursday and uh, take care.